All right, it's Super Bowl Sunday, church. Woo! Man, we have not been able to do this in 20 years, Tampa Bay. But I want to be fair because I'm always fair every year during the Super Bowl. I always do a poll. Who's for this team? Who's for this team? So I'm not sure how it's going to go, this, this service. But if you're for the Kansas City Chiefs, let me hear you. Could you stretch your hands out to the Barber family? <laughs> All right. You know, there's always people in your congregation that are deceived and they're trying to bring division. <laughs> All right, church, if you're for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, let me hear you. All right, Tom Brady, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to have you come to church, Tom Brady. All right. Well, let's do this thing. Let's do it. Let's go. Balin, let's go. All right. Well, as I introduce today's message, before I get into today's message, bittersweet news for, for the congregation. This week, Pastor Joe came to me and he, he just said, Pastor Glenn, I have really had in my heart to do what I do, to do what I'm called to do, fully engaged with that ministry. Pastor Joe has a company called J3 Creations. And what that company does is it goes into different corporations, churches, nonprofits, and ministers to them on the importance and how to focus on inclusion, diversity, and leadership. And he's had this burning in his heart for a long time, but over this past year, when we saw such racial unrest in our nation, I asked Pastor Joe to do his seminar to our staff and to our board of directors. Let me tell you, when Pastor Joe sat in that chair and began to pour out of his heart about this subject matter, I'm looking, I think I even looked over at Tim, I'm like, who is this guy? Where did he come from? This is amazing. It's his heart. There's nothing wrong. He's my brother. Oh my gosh, me and Joe. He's been, I want to just go over some of the things that he has meant to our church over these 20 years. Because he said, it's my time. Somebody's got to do it. It might as well be me. And as a pastor, my greatest desire for all of you, for all of our staff, everyone involved with the church, my heart is for you to thrive and to flourish in who God's called you to be to raise up, to step up, sometimes to step out and be right in the middle of God's perfect will for your life. So Joe, it is bittersweet. You're my brother. I'm, I, I mean, I can't go there because it makes me sad and I'm gonna preach a good message here. I'm stirred up about it. But Joe has been on staff here for more than 20 years. He rebirthed the Spanish ministry eight, 20 years ago, and he was the pastor to the Spanish Fellowship for 18 years. He raised up Pastor Alex, who is now the pastor of the Spanish Fellowship, and it's because of his great leadership that that ministry is still thriving today. That's a direct result of Pastor Joe Lugo. Over the last couple of years, he's been over so many different aspects of our church. He's led our care ministry. When you get calls or flowers or things that are happening with visitation, he's the one responsible for getting us so that you feel loved and cared. That's so important to me that you feel those things. He's been driving the men's ministry for quite some time, so he pours into our men. How many men have been touched by Pastor Joe Lugo in this place? He's over the sign language and bird that ministry in our church, the ushers, the cart drivers, so much more. He is so multifaceted and has such a heart for you. 
So today we are gonna pray for the Lugo family. And we're gonna pray that God blesses them, that God does such miracles through this ministry. It's for such a time as this, church, that God's called all of us to step up and walk in our full calling according to what God's will is for our life. Can you say amen? Pastor Joe, Sandy, Andrew, and Matthew, come on up here. A lot of people think me and Matthew are our brothers because we look so much alike. Could you show your love and appreciation for Pastor Joe and the family? Come on, church. Come on, we could do better than that. This is a great, great man, great family. All right. Could you remain standing? Will you stretch your hands out to the Lugo family? Father, I just pray right now for Joe and Sandy and Andrew and Matthew. I thank you for this wonderful family that you're the center of this home. I thank you for Joe's obedience. He's been so blessed by being a blessing. He has blessed us all in so many ways. We're honored to be able to partner with this ministry as he moves forward. I pray, God, that you would bless him, you would raise him up in ways that he'd never even thought possible, and you would go before him and make his path straight as he seeks to honor you in all that he does. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Love you, my brother. Oh, you're a good man. Come on, man. Shorty. All right. Uh, all right, well, got a lot in the peanut gallery today. Hey, uh, some people that, that I see in worship, sometimes Marilyn just, she cannot contain it over here. Now, I, I want you to know, that's nothing to be scared of. Sometimes when you're touched by the Spirit of God and you are pouring out your love in worship, sometimes you just can't contain it, can you, Marilyn? Amen, amen. What I wanna do for Pastor Joe, we never do this, but I don't care that we never do it. We're gonna do it now, because this man has deposited 20 plus years into this church. I wanna receive an offering for Pastor Joe and J3 Creations. I, th I think as a church, we can launch them out with some really great foundational finances. This isn't just some outside guy, it's one of us. One of our very own that's doing and stepping out in faith. It's not easy. It's not easy to, to leave your position that's stable and sure and to step out in faith. It's a step of faith. But if you want to give today on the app, if you're watching online, if you want to give or anyone that's in here on the app, I put an option that says Pastor Lugo. You can just hit that option. If you're giving cash, make sure you put it in an envelope and put Pastor Lugo. On the check, if you're giving by check, put Pastor Lugo in the memo. We don't want anything that's designated for Pastor Lugo to go anywhere else, but we are blessed in our giving. Can you say amen? I don't mind receiving an offering for a man of God that is moving on with his calling to do great things for the body of Christ. Amen. All right, are you ready to get into God's word? We had a lot going on with the Super Bowl, Pastor Lugo and all this stuff. I got 10 minutes that's already been taken on my timer. It's okay. You ready for God's word? Hold up your word today. Father, we pray, God, your anointing on your word today. Anoint it, bless it, and give us ears to hear what you desire to speak in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the final week of a series we've called Finishing Strong. We talked about our calling, understanding that we were created uniquely to do great things for God, but to step up and to step in, into our calling and embrace what God's called us to do and who he's called us to be. This is the fourth week of 
a focus that we focus on Nehemiah. You can follow along in your notes that are in your weekend guide, but a quick review of where we've been in Nehemiah. Nehemiah was written in 444 BC. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. A cupbearer is someone that would taste the wine before it was given to the king in case the wine was poisonous. It's also like a glorified butler. That was his position. And the reason why that's so important is Nehemiah turned out to be one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. In the history of Jerusalem, Nehemiah will always be known as the man that stepped up to rebuild the wall. But he was an ordinary guy. An ordinary guy that was willing to step up and do extraordinary things for the cause of Jesus Christ. So his brother came to Nehemiah in a visit, and he asked him, what's going on with my people in Jerusalem? The brother told him that the walls had been destroyed, the gates had been burned, and they'd been down for 140 years. Nehemiah was broken. He was burdened because this is his people. He was a 1,000 miles away from Jerusalem and Persia, but he traveled four months to go back to an area where people of Jerusalem were embarrassed, they were discouraged, they were unprotected, but this burden brought Nehemiah to tears, but he didn't just stay there in his tears. He got up and he said, somebody's gotta rebuild the wall, it might as well be me. This week, we see the story take a dramatic turn as we move in the message today. It's almost like a TV show that happens as we look in the sixth chapter of Nehemiah, and we're going to start today in chapter two. It says, when word came to Sambalat, Tobiah, Geshem, the Arab, these are the bad guys. I want you to know that. These guys, there's always good and bad. We fight against evil things all the time. These are the bad guys in the story of Nehemiah and the rest of our enemies that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it, though up to the time I had not set the doors or the gates. Nehemiah was almost finished. It was almost complete. But guess what? When we're almost done and we're moving forward, there's always a direct attack that comes from the enemy to try to knock us off the wall, to try to destroy us, to get our eyes off of the mission, to get our eyes off of the call of God that's on our life because he wants to destroy us. The enemy is a liar. But always when you're moving forward, number one in your notes, the, close, the closer you get to doing what God wants done, the harder your enemy will fight to stop you. He's always going to try to stop you, and as closer you get to the finish line, he tries that much more. Last week, we talked about it. You don't face opposition because you're doing something wrong. You face opposition because you're doing something right. So maybe you were just getting started in your groups. We just started a new semester in groups, and you're on your way to church for the groups. You're on your way to start the new semester with Worship Wednesday as we closed out our 21 days. How many were at Worship Wednesday? Was that an awesome night? Powerful, God's moving. But maybe you were on the way and your kid threw up halfway to church. Oh, I can't believe it. Gotta take you home, I don't have time. Just when I'm finally gonna do something. God, why would you let this happen? I can't believe it. Maybe this was the time you're finally deciding. I heard Pastor Glenn and his story about family night. I'm gonna have family night. I'm gonna start leading my, my family together spiritually. And then maybe even today, you're on your way to church 
and you start fighting with your wife like cats and dogs. I know this isn't probably for our church at all. I'm probably talking to another church. Here, I'll just talk online. Maybe you're from another church and this applies to you. Let me tell you, Elaine and I have not argued on our way to church in 25 years. We have driven separately to church for 25 years now. (laughs) Maybe you're down to that last 10 pounds you're gonna lose. And what always happens when you're down to the last 10 pounds? Publix happens. And they have buy one, get one free. Right now, Ben and Jerry's is buy one, get one free. People are calling me, telling me that. I know, I'm like, I rebuke you in Jesus' name. And then you go and you think, oh, it's such a good deal. I've gotta save that $5.29. But I don't wanna just save it one time. If I buy two, I get two free. If I buy three, I get three free. Oh, now it's adding up. Now we're at like $15, four, $20. And so you buy 10 cartons of this Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And you think, oh, Lord. And you lay it at the altar of your refrigerator. Lord, I thank you. This is a six-month supply of Ben and Jerry's. And then two weeks later, it's gone. And then it's Haagen-Dazs. That's buy one, get one free. The enemy will do whatever he can to take you off the wall that God has placed you, the wall of purpose, the wall of your mission, the wall of what God's called you to do with your family, the wall of being a better husband, a better spouse, uh, more like Jesus Christ. He's always going to do that to try to bring you down. So today we're gonna discuss two strategies that the enemy will use to try to get you off the wall so that you can stop doing what God's called you to do. Number one, your enemy will try to distract you. Distractions from every direction. We see this in Nehemiah chapter six, verse two. So Sambalot and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. First lesson today, if someone tries to meet you to get you off the wall, don't go to a place called Ono. Oh, no, however you want to pronounce it. No, I'm not going to, oh no. You see, the enemy's trying to do anything in his power to distract Nehemiah. He's almost done with the building. They're panicking, oh no, Jerusalem's gonna be rebuilt. Oh no, they're gonna be regathered. They're gonna have their confidence again. We've got to get him off the wall. And even if it's a small distraction, And that's what the enemy tries to do, little distractions. But what happens, those little distractions turn into larger distractions and get your eyes completely off of your purpose. For me as a lead pastor, I know my limitations. I have a certain amount of energy, and when I'm fried, I'm tired. I'm not one of those guys, I'm I'm not a workaholic. I have very soft pastor hands. The Lord told me no longer to do yard work five years ago. I said, yes, Lord, yes. But let me tell you, I can't do all the hospital visitations. I can't. I love to do some. I can't do all the weddings, all the funerals. That's why we have a staff of pastors. But so often that brings disappointment to people that I can't do it all. But my main mission for this church is very, very clear to me. It's to lead countryside and to all that God's called us to do. But if I'm watered down as your pastor, then I'm gonna be leading on a half-empty tank. God's called us all to lead on a full tank. So as a youth pastor for 20 years, I love to do youth events. 
I can't do youth events anymore. I learned that in December. I went on the winter retreat and broke a rib. And God said, see, I told you not to do any more youth events. No, actually, that was my wife that said that. Sorry, that wasn't God. There's times I've been invited out, out of state, other churches, around the nation, sometimes in Kenya, um, Dominican, all over the world, just come and speak. But I know if I do that, it's going to run my tank down, and I'm not going to be my very best for the church and what God's called me to be. I get asked all the time to be on board of directors of nonprofits or other churches, and I say no because that's more time. See, the little things add up, and if you don't watch the little things, then you're going to run out of gas, and you're not going to be effectively doing what God's called you to do. All of these things, they're all great stuff, but God's called me with a direct laser beam purpose to lead you, to encourage you to see this community become fully devoted followers of Christ, and it takes everything that I've got, and I'm giving you week in and week out everything that I've got, because I'm, the, I'm on the wall for Countryside Christian Church. But what is it for you, the little distractions that may be holding you back from fully engaging in your call? For some people, they gave up Facebook and Instagram over the 21 days, but they're back, and and it it happens so easily. You ever have this, I'm just going to check for five minutes. I'm putting on the timer. Five minutes. And then three and a half hours later, you're like, where's that timer? You you just scrolled right through the ding. And now it's midnight. It's time to go to bed. Then it's time to go to work. And then you're going to scroll for five more minutes. And then it's midnight. Then you get up and go to work. And that's what the enemy tries to do. I'm not ripping on Facebook. I, hey, I posted a big fish sandwich on my Facebook page that I had with my daughter this week. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but I'm saying if there's things that are bringing distraction to you that's reaching the level that's holding you back from being fully devoted to what God's called you to do, you're going to miss out and be distracted, and it's going to rob you. There are busy things in our life that will take up all of our energy, overcommitting, saying that yes to everything. People have a hard time saying no. I want you to know, I want to give you permission, church, to say no. If you're overcommitted, it's okay to say no. In fact, you can say to them, I would do it, but my pastor said I could say no. Put it on me, I don't mind. Put it on me, because it's okay to say no, because if you're so busy and distracted, it's going to hold you back being fully engaged in God's best for you. Can you say amen to that? So when the distractions come, what did Nehemiah say? What do we need to say? How do we need to react? Number one in your notes, Nehemiah said, I'm not coming down. I'm not coming down. Nehemiah 6, 2, it says, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. I am carrying on a great project and cannot go down. Why should you stop while I leave it and go down to you? I'm not going off the wall. God's clearly given me the vision. I am not going off the wall. I'm committed to rebuild. So no matter what you try to do, you can scheme all you want. I'm staying on the wall because this is what God's called me to do. So as a church, We've got to be laser focused on what God's called us to do. 
Dear love God, love people, we're gonna clearly show you our vision in our heart. But let me just give you a few things over the years that is non-negotiable that we are committed to do as a church. We're on the wall, and we're staying on the wall for these things for sure. Do you know our missions giving over the last 35 years? As a church, we've given over $20 million to foreign missions. Really? Yes. Yeah. Because we want to change the world. God wants us to change the world. How are we going to do that? It's going to be through mission organizations and missionaries and people that are overseas building churches. Why did we do what we did in Nicaragua? Because God's called us to change communities around the world. Non-negotiable. We're staying on the wall. We're going to serve food to our community. Henry, Heather, Moses, laboring for helping hands. When the enemy tried to bring us down last year, when they took away our lease, we said, oh no, we're staying on the wall. And not only are we gonna do what we have done, we've more than doubled our output over the last year by going mobile. Yesterday, how many families did we serve, Henry? 168, 158 families were served over 50 pounds of food each. Come on, we're on the wall. That's what the Bible says. This is what the church does. When people are hurting, it doesn't say, then go to the government. It says, go to the church. The church is that helping hand to help people when they're in times of need. We're doing our best to do that. We're right in the middle of a drive for baby goods for inner city babies. Thank you for all those that brought diapers and pull-ups and formula, all those things. Let's do more. We got this whole month. Don't forget, somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. It might as well be us. Next week, we're going to be unveiling the ministry we've talked about over the last couple of months, sewing blankets and baby clothes for babies in Haiti. Next week, you're going to have an opportunity. People all over said, I want to volunteer. I want to help. I want to be a part of that. You're going to have an opportunity to sign up. You could sew in your house, you could sew in a group they're gonna do once a month, we're gonna give you those details. If you have a sewing machine you're not using that's decent, that's in good shape, be able to donate that. But guess what we're gonna do? We're gonna change an entire region of Haiti by simply being Jesus to these mothers. You don't have a blanket? Here's a blanket. You don't have clothes? And by the way, Jesus loves you and has a plan for your life. We're gonna see the goodness of God in the land of the living as we minister to Haiti and babies. We're on the wall. Seeing people come to Jesus every single week. We're seeing it, and we always have seen that. That's a call of God on this church to lead people to Christ, to see our community become fully devoted followers of Jesus. It's not by chance that we see dozens of people every single week get saved. We're committed to that. Oh, Pastor Glenn, that's so old school. Don't distract me. We're on the wall. We're going to see people get saved like we've never seen people get saved. Get ready, countryside, because God's moving. Touching the next generation, building up leaders. It takes a laser focus. It's not by chance that we see young people raising up in this church, using their gifts all over the place for such a time as this. It's not by chance that we see a Pastor Marcelo or a Pastor Andrew or these young people raising up as next generation pastors. It's because we're committed to it. We will always be committed to that. Raising up leaders, seeing you find your place. We're on the wall to see that happen. We can't do everything, but what we're gonna do, we're gonna do it all 
with excellence, bringing glory to God. So whatever you're doing towards your purpose, don't get distracted. When they come, you're doing what God has called you to do, and you can't come down. You've got to stay on the wall. So number one, the enemy will try to distract you. Number two, the enemy will try to discredit you, to discredit your reputation. How will he do that? In your notes, by spreading rumors. The more you do for God, the more people are going to gossip about you. We saw it in Nehemiah. They were talking and spreading rumors. We see it in Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 5. It says, Then the fifth time Sambalot sent his aid to me with the same message. And his, in his hand was an unsealed letter. An unsealed letter meant it was a letter to be written so that everyone could read it, see it. It was an announcement. And this is what it said. It is reported among the nations and Geshem says it's true. Geshem, that's the bad guy. Oh, he said it's true. You ever had that? Somebody says something, if they say it's true, then it, it has to be true, right? Give me a break. Give me a break. It has to be true that you and the Jews are plotting to revolt, and therefore you are building the wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. Oh, think of that. Here's Nehemiah, servant's heart, going to rebuild the wall, and they're spreading rumors that he's trying to take the spot of the king. Now this report will get back to the king. So, Nehemiah, let's confer together. We see in Nehemiah chapter 5 that Nehemiah was a sacrificial leader. He could have rebuilt this wall for financial gain, but he never took any finances. He could have taken the food that was offered to him by the governor at the time, and he didn't take the food. He used his own resources for the cause of rebuilding this wall. He spoke on behalf of the poor, the hurting, and was committed to this call. The more you do for God, the more people are going to spread rumors about you. The more you step up as a leader, you have just opened yourself up with a bullseye right on your back. Why? Because the enemy wants to knock you off the wall, and if it's a rumor that does it, then the enemy wins. But what did Nehemiah do with these rumors? This is what he did. He said they're not true. He prayed, gave it to God, and got back to work. See, he didn't go, oh, I can't believe they're saying this about me. Oh, poor me. I need to go to counseling for five years because they hurt my feelings. He didn't say that. He said, that's not true. God, I'm giving this to you, and it's time to get back to work and build that wall. You know, I gave the history of the church last, last week and all the attacks that we had. Well, in 2010, things turned on me. All of a sudden, Pastor Lloyd had asked me to take the church, and the board of directors asked me to pray about taking the church, and of course I said, no, no. Elaine and I have never even talked about that, ever, anywhere. Why would I do that? You know, as a youth pastor, everyone loves you. As a youth pastor, you're watching these teenagers, oftentimes rebellious teenagers, so parents can come and worship the Lord. Some of them were just dropping them off in our youth group so they can go out to dinner. So I was the man. Thank you for watching my kids. Thank you for pouring in. Well, in 2010, I was no longer going to be the youth pastor. So there were rumors that Pastor Glenn's scheming to take the church. Child, please. 
I shared all the things that this church was at at that point. Come on. And no one in their right mind would try to get that. But when you're called to do something, it took a long time for me to reach the point somebody's got to do it. It might as well be me. There are people who said all he cares about is the youth. He's not strong enough. This is a big church. There's a lot to do. He's, he's weak-shouldered. He's been a youth pastor. How can we trust this guy? And you know what? The whole time I'm saying, yeah, I agree with that. I'm with you. But God had something different in mind. There were rumors that, oh, get ready, seniors, boomers, you're not going to matter. Never going to involve you with anything. Some of the greatest people in our church are boomers and seniors. Up to a couple years ago, listen, I didn't go to the youth Super Bowl parties. I didn't go to the young adult Super Bowl parties. Those are what I call Dorito parties. I didn't go to the Dorito parties. The seniors, I went to their party for the Super Bowl every year. We're talking luxurious, homemade, fresh, hot, delectable food. Real food. So, you know, I'm like, I love you guys, I love you, I'm hugging. But man, when I get to that buffet table, whoa, let's go. But I could have let the, the rumors hold me back from being obedient to God. I could have let those discredit me and just go, oh, well, no, I'll just stay with the kid, I'll do what. But I stayed on the wall. And that's what God wants you to do. Don't allow what people say about you rob you of the call of God on your life. Can you say amen? Another way the enemy will try to discredit you is by tempting you to compromise. This is exactly when it gets dramatic for Nehemiah. This is when we get this guy coming out of nowhere, and it's almost like a TV drama that happens in Nehemiah, verse 10. So Shemaiah said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. You couldn't go in the temple and shut the doors like that. If you did, it said that God, it was a sin and God would punish you and God would kill you. Never was that appropriate for Nehemiah to have done that. Verse 12 says, I realized that God had not sent him, but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalot had hired him to do this. This guy's a secret agent, sneaking around, trying to bring deception to try to bring Nehemiah into that place of sin. Verse 13, he had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name and discredit me. I want you to know, as a leader, we have to be so careful when God gives us influence. I've seen it over and over and over. The enemy is always trying to put a roadblock in front of us. He's always trying to tempt us. He's always trying to make us fall, to think we're better than we are. He'll tell you, oh, you're, the only reason your company's successful is because of you. And they don't even pay you enough money. Can you believe that? And they don't appreciate you. And then when the expense report comes in, you know what? I deserve this extra meal. I deserve to have my gas paid. I deserve an extra $500 a week. It's a temptation. And all those years of building up your rep reputation to be good, in a moment of sin, you could be discredited and it all will come crumbling down. Nehemiah was a man of integrity. Always lead with integrity in every area. God sees. If no one else sees, God sees. 
sexual temptations. That's what happens. You're the leader. Oh, and then all of a sudden, oh, you know what? My wife's not meeting my needs. My husband's not meeting my needs. You know what? I deserve to have my needs met. Really? That is a lie belched out of the pit of hell to try to make you think that someone else outside of the boundaries of marriage, God's clearly put a plumb line of morality in front of us, and when we're obedient to what God is doing in our life, and we're obedient to the vows to our husband and wife, God will bless it. I've seen it. The enemy will whisper into your ears, but in a moment of indiscretion, it all comes crumbling down. How many ministries have we seen over the last 30, 40 years where that happened? It's horrible, but it's real. And so you've got to have your sword up. You've got to have the, your, your shield up because the attacks are real. The closer you get to your goal, the harder the attacks come. First thing you must say is, I'm not coming down. The second thing is, it's not true. I'm giving it to God. And then we pray, number three here in your notes, I'm not giving up. See, too many people give up. We live in a world of people giving up every single day. I hear it all the time. I'm just ready to give up. I'm ready to quit. I'm ready just to give in. I'm tired. I'm wore out. I can't take it. Nehemiah, in verse 11, it says, but I said, should a man like me run away? Or should one like me go into the temple to save his life? This is his answer. I will not go. When the temptations come, oh no. I bind you, Satan, in the name of Jesus. When the distractions come, oh no, I will not be watered down so that I'm ineffective with the call of God that's on my life. Nehemiah said, I'm here to build a wall and I'm not giving up. I'm not gonna give up my good name. I'm not gonna give up my integrity. I'm not gonna give up my cause. He was committed to the goal to do it God's way. When you do things God's way, there's nothing gonna hold you back, church. I want you to know that. So let's review what we've learned in this series as we close out Nehemiah. God uses ordinary people, like me, like you, to do extraordinary things for God. When God gives you a burden, you sit down to cry, you kneel down to pray, and then you stand up to act. You gotta realize in your heart, somebody's gotta do it, and it might as well be you. Somebody's gotta do it, it might as well be me. Let's go, let's go, let's do this thing. Then you define your vision clearly. I'm going to rebuild the wall, is what Nehemiah's vision was. I'm going to be a voice for the unborn. Whatever your burden is, I'm gonna feed hungry children. I'm gonna reach the lost in nursing homes, in hospitals. I'm gonna serve the community through helping hands or whatever avenue that God opens up for us. I'm gonna mentor inner city kids. I'm gonna foster a kid. I'm gonna have a godly family. I'm gonna be a godly husband or a godly wife. Define your mission clearly. Then make a plan to accomplish your goals. And then you inspire people around you to passionately come on board to the mission that God's called you to do. But remember this, if you get discouraged, remember your God who is great and awesome. Remember what God's done for you in the past and he can do so much more for you in the future. Fight for your cause, your marriage, your kid, 
Remember, you put a tool in one hand and you put a weapon in the other. That's not what Nehemiah did. Remember, this is our weapon. God's word is our weapon and will always defeat the attacks of the enemy. Know the word of God and fight strong for the truth of his word. When the enemy tries to distract you, you gotta determine in your heart, I'm not coming down. I'm staying on the wall. I don't care what's coming my way, I'm staying on the wall. When the enemy tries to get you to quit, you tell him there is no quit in me. Me and Jesus Christ make a majority. Remind him that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells inside of you, dwells inside of me. There's nothing that can hold us back. So this is how it ends in verse 15 in Nehemiah. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. The walls were down for 140 years. God called Nehemiah, an ordinary guy, to travel four months to rebuild the wall in 52 days. When all our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. What's in your heart, church? Because you're not doing it alone. God is with you. He strengthens you. He gives you the insight, the ideas, but it's up to us to step up, get on that wall, and do what God's called us to do. Remember in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, let us not become weary in doing good, for in the proper time we will reap a harvest if, if we do not give up. So church, rise up. Church, let's be the church in 2021 that God's called us to be. Let's begin to find our place in the body of Christ. Let's begin to walk in the purpose that God's called us to walk into corporately as a church, but individually as ministers, all of us are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. Begin to step up, allow God to use you in ways you never thought possible, and never give up and stay on that wall in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes today. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is strong. Your word is absolute truth. I pray right now for those that may be in, going through that time of distraction or the rumors or whatever may be trying to knock them off the wall. I pray today they're gonna be infused with the Holy Spirit to encourage them, to lift them up, and to bring them guidance and peace. Father, wrap your arms around this congregation. We're all here because of you, and we want to represent you well and walk in what you've called us to walk into. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to dismiss. You're just about to go get your root beer, your chips, and all the games that are out there for your kids. But before we do that, one minute, and it's the most important minute of this service. Maybe you're here today, and you've not fully given your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to save us from our sins. So many people, they're stuck in shame and they don't realize that God wants to rip them out of that shame and put them on the place of restoration and healing through his forgiveness. He came to give life so that we might live a life that's abundant. But it's a gift of God that we have to receive. So today, maybe you've been out of church, maybe you've been a bit far away from God, maybe you've never accepted Christ or fully devoted your heart to him, but today is your day. Super Bowl Sunday. This Super Bowl Sunday could not be about the Bucks and the Kansas City Chiefs. 
The angels in heaven could be rejoicing because of you giving your life to Christ. When I count to three, if that's you and you want to say, Pastor Glenn, will you pray for me? You will leave today changed by the Spirit of God. I won't call you out. I won't embarrass you. But we will pray and believe in Jesus' name. One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. You want to be included in this prayer today. Raise it up high. You want to give your life fully to Christ? Yes. You want to give him all? You want to put him on that rightful throne of, of your heart? I see your hand and yours and yours and yours. I see your hands over on this side. Yes, I see your hand and yours and yours and yours and yours, yours and yours. I see your hands all over. That's why we're here, church. That's why we're here, to see this church truly devote their lives to Christ. Will you pray after me? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I thank you for what you did for me on the cross. You gave your life for the forgiveness of my sins. Today, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you. My Lord, my Savior, my God, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, I love you so much. You're an awesome people of God. One last time, let's hear it. Go Bucks! What a great message. Would you stand with me now to receive your blessing? If you're watching online, just turn your palms upward in an attitude of receiving. May the Lord bless you with faithfulness to your calling. May he bless you with steadfastness upon the wall of your purpose. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you and have a wonderful Sunday. Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. I want you to know that you are part of our family. Even if you feel alone in this time, you are never alone. God is with you and Countryside is with you. If you gave your life to Jesus during this service, I want to say congratulations. It's the best decision you will ever make in your entire life. And this is only the beginning of the journey that God has planned for you. We'd love to partner with you. We'd love to help you in any way that we can. So if you have prayer for any reason, if you need prayer, if you want to talk to someone, go to countryside.cc prayer. We love you, church, and we'll see you next week.